We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Hey, Horror Movie Night, we are back with another bonus episode. Actually, we are going to be simulcasting this because Weirdo Like Me has a horror podcast and an all-year-round Christmas podcast, so what better way to cover two, Kill Two Birds with One Stone than discussing the newest horror Christmas comedy, uh, I don't even know what else to describe this as, Black Friday, I've got Casey and Andy here. Uh, Casey, Andy, both introduce yourselves and what you did for Black Friday. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, um, my name is Andy Griscoviak. I, I wrote uh, I wrote the movie. And um, my name's Casey Tebow, and I did my best to not completely fuck up what Andy had written on the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I absolutely fucking loved this movie. Um, I was watching it this morning, which is the biggest, dumbest smile on my face as someone who, for many years, worked retail on Black Friday. Uh, just it's so satisfying. It's such a it's such a bizarre movie, but a beautiful movie simultaneously. Andy, you were the one that that wrote it. I'm I'm gonna make an assumption that you've at least worked one Black Friday retail sale in your life. Yeah, great great <laughs> assumption. Worked many. Yeah, I uh, I I it, this was inspired by me working at a big toy store chain uh, in college. I worked Black Friday there, but then uh, through film school and and after I worked I worked retail. I worked retail for like seven or eight years, and so I worked many 
of Black Friday. I've worked at, at toy stores, clothing stores, um, many different outlets. So I've seen just the the worst of of humanity. Yeah, at, in retail. Well, and I appreciate that you. Obviously, it's called Black Friday, but it's technically happening on on Thanksgiving night, which is absolutely where the craziest people are. <laughs> like the people who come shopping on the actual Black Friday morning, pale, pale into comparison to the folks who are like storming the gates at the mall on a Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I have to say, as someone who, uh, like I said in the intro, I do a Christmas podcast, I do a horror podcast, there comes a point where you feel like you've seen everything that could be done that's interesting with a Christmas horror movie at this point. I think we're up to 3,000 Killer Santa Claus movies at this point, so... I really didn't know what I was stepping into with this. I, I actively have tried to avoid trailers for pretty much anything that I watch so I can go in there fresh. And I was loving every little twist and turn. How are you describing this movie to people? Um, I think we wanted to, when Andy sent me the script originally, it was a lot darker in, you know, Andy's sort of, comedic senses and storytelling senses can get I mean, even though andy is legit one of the nicest people i've ever met in my life like wow. there's some real dark shit going up on that brain of his <laughs> like, we there was like first like you know we the first like 10 pages like like boom we're right in the store and like a little girl gets killed and then like bruce's arc as the manager was way more like sad and he was kind of a real loser and same thing for Ken. And I was like, Andy, look, let's back this up a little bit and let's make it a little nicer for the people, you know, at home. And he was like, sure, sure. Let me just go. And he, he did a bunch of rewrites, which was, which all turned out amazing. But I think, you know, Bruce said it best the other day when we were doing one of these like radio, you know, these radio things, they do a million things. And you can tell that Bruce, when he's doing radio things that aren't exactly movie fans, he gets a little annoyed. And the guy said something about, oh, wow, this is a crazy, wacky Christmas cut. And Bruce was like, he kind of got quiet. And he was like, well, I always looked at this as like a movie about the people in it. And I think that much to Andy's credit, you know, you can make a Black Friday movie where it's a bunch of, you know, infected shoppers running through the store attacking everybody. But, at this, but on the flip side of that is, the real horror of Black Friday, I think, for some people like Andy, when they wrote it, is what exactly is going on inside the store with the people you're first forced to work with and have relationships with. Um, and Bruce was very sweet and kind about saying how we did such a great job of, you know, making a character movie, especially with the amazing cast that we have. So I never worked retail, mostly because I never wanted to have a real job and you know i think the combination of of me think my favorite thing about movies is always the characters my favorite movies are about people you know things like there will be blood um so i think it's that combination of andy's experience and his sort of crazy idea for this film and my sensibilities of making it about the people is i think what gives it the magic you know no i agree i I, in its short runtime of like this movie is what like 80 minutes long but you fall in love with every single one of these characters to the point that like to be able to take an 80 minute film and in that time frame you 
fall in love with the characters you're supposed to fall in love with. You hate the characters that you're supposed to hate. But then there's also characters like Bruce Campbell's character where there is like a full-blown story arc where like he's kind of lame. Then you kind of dislike him when certain information's revealed. But then by the end, you you love him. Like yeah. th- there's a lot going on with these characters that as a lifelong horror fan, like you come to accept that most of the time, like who has a favorite teen from the, a Friday the 13th movie? You know what I mean? Like they're all just right. nameless, faceless corpses. But even like the first people who die in this movie, you already have some type of emotional attachment to it. The customers you develop emotional attachments to, even if it's a negative attachment. So there is right. so many pieces working simultaneously with what is a very large amount of people for this movie. <laughs> Cause you've got you. like, there's a lot yeah. going on. Um, like I absolutely, I, I can't stress enough how much I love this. I know that the audience is going to love this. Where are they going to be able to see it? First of all, let's get that out of the way and then dive a little bit deeper. Andy, go ahead. Nope. <laughs> okay, cool. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be saying the same answer at the same time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be in theaters uh, next week, next Friday, so November 19th. And then just a couple days later, four days later, it'll be on demand. Nice. Um, I I believe uh, like app, the Apple Store, they'll be able to rent it. Amazon, I want to say Voodoo. Is that, I think that's, I'm nearly certain that's correct. <laughs> yeah, I think the big, the big ones probably will be like, you know, Apple, Amazon, and your local cable company, if that's how you rent things on demand. It's it's not on Netflix, because that's everyone, you know, a lot of people that don't know about streaming stuff, they're like, is it on Netflix? I'm like, well, Netflix is their own thing. So yeah. it's, it's going to be all the places that you can rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andy and I are sort of like, unsure on the theater situation, because we kind of ran into, uh, you know, we wanted to have this out for Black Friday, but we ran into what is Christmas time being a huge time, especially with COVID starting to lighten up. Thank God there's it's, there's just less room in the theaters because a lot of the Oscar stuff is starting to come out. A lot of the holiday stuff is starting to come out. So uh, if it's not in your city in theaters, we apologize, but we obviously don't have any control over that. Yeah. Thanks. Right. I, Which I love. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go oh, ahead, sorry. Andy. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I love it. Cause I, yeah, the theater thing, it's, it's, we can't guarantee anything right now, but the, I love to be able to say, but like a few days later, you can watch it in your home, wherever you're, however you're comfortable watching movies. Right. Yeah. But if you can see it in the theater, do it because, you know, we, totally. we, I mean, the score, Patrick Stump from fallout boy did the score and it's just, it really lends itself to seeing it on a big screen, especially with Bob Kurtzman's special effects and um, our, our sound mixer, Sean, who works at Anarchy Post in, um, in Glendale, just did such an amazing job with making it, you know, super, super cinematic. I mean, Andy wrote, you know, Andy wrote a 20 to $30 million movie and we didn't have that budget. And I had to say to him, look, man, like we, we need to pare this down. Let's, let's pick and choose where we can make it big. But I think that um, the way that we sort of reeled it in and made it a little more of like a, like a, a blockbuster type of movie in a small setting gives it a great opportunity to be really fun to see on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I just want to throw this out there now. Audience, you've heard Friday the 19th. It's in theaters. In about four days, it'll be available for rental. You should absolutely see it. And maybe like pause and save the second half of this episode for after you watch it. Because I want to get into the weeds with you guys just a little bit about some of the stuff in this movie that from the person who's never seen it will be like, I don't understand what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> yo, 
But first, first and foremost, that fucking teddy bear stole the whole movie. <laughs> like that is was that was that an Andy Andy was that in the original script or was that something that like came over time to put this like borderline suicidal teddy bear toy into the into the film. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it was it was always a teddy bear. It was always um yeah, it was always a talking bear. Um Casey and I have been working on that. We worked on this project for two years, right? And so we we were just pitching ideas. And so at some point down the line, we were always like robotic bear. And then Casey started talking about like grumpy cat and like these kids' toys, which if you kind of strip the layers away or, or take some of the gloss away, it's just a bummer. Like it's yeah. a really sad toy. And so we just started kicking back these ideas about um, what if this the big kids toy was just this really depressed bear, just <laughs> who just offhandedly will just say things that like if a parent was listening to the sound bites, they'd be like, "What the hell? What is he saying?" Um, and so it, that was something that developed from from the moment Casey and I started talking until we wrapped on post production that we were just building on like the dour Dennis lore, like from. <laughs> what the toy is to like what the voice actor is experiencing in his personal life that's why he's no i was gonna say that's what's so funny about it is that there is so many layers to it where there is this element of like you can assume that it's like the voice actor expressing himself and it just found its way into this toy by mistake (laughs) matt Matt, do you do you know matt do you know who the voice of dower dennis was i don't it sounded vaguely familiar that's a that's a huge easter egg i mean andy correct me if i'm wrong but i would say one of the bigger well-known american voice actors when it comes to animation and tv and stuff like was that. it like jim cummings or something uh it's somebody pretty well known i mean okay. listen it's in the credits so I'm i'll check i'll check you. i'll check i'll check myself yeah. but yeah i mean andy should we just tell him because <laughs> it's in the credits it. it's yeah, in the it was... credits and this is the spoiler half so can yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> dower dennis was voiced by seth green that's fucking fantastic okay because <laughs> i'm like when you're saying like in the animation field i'm like yo if you got the guy who voices winnie the pooh to voice this depressed fucking teddy bear that's insane now that's great and i mean it was as like one of my all-time favorite films not just in genre but in general is idle hands so like seeing devin sawa kind of just almost playing in a lot of ways, I can imagine that Ken is his character from Idle Hands, like 20 years later, like working at a toy store, not really applying himself. Uh, mm-hmm. But just it, this is if you are a fan of horror, it's such a it's such a great collection of like people who have been in the horror space. And yeah, I guess that makes sense. Devin Sawa, Seth Green, Idle Hands, now Black Friday together. I'm loving this. I'm loving everything about this, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, was there anything that you were pulling from inspiration from other um, other of these like horror Christmas horror movies? Because I think that there's actually not that many that take place in a store or mall a lot of the time. A lot of the time it's, you know, Santa Claus stomping through the, the city or whatever, or like something like elves. But were, were there anything that you were pulling from a stylistic uh, look back or... Any movies really that you were using to to try to capture a vibe while you were making it? When I, you know, when Andy first sent me the script, regardless of how fun it was, the first thing that stood out for me, which is funny because we didn't even end up shooting it, was Ken 
shooting a Nerf gun at Chris and just sort of this playful interaction between these two guys who work together and don't really like working there. And this guy who sort of likes this girl. And then there's the manager who's, you know, I was like, okay, well, this really is more like a Chris Columbus movie. Yeah. That sort of the shit hits the fan. So I was like, if I can do my best to sort of like, you know, get the weird science machine and put Columbus and John Carpenter like in the same thing and come out with something like that, like a fucked up, gross, weird movie with heart. Like that's at least that's when I read in the script. That's what I thought it was. I think if you if you had, you know, like friends of mine who are directors, if Andy had reached out to Joe Lynch, it probably would have been way more gory and <laughs> way more over the top and way more ridiculous. I um, mean, that would have been awesome, too. And that may have been a little closer to Andy's initial intention, but I wanted to to take what I think Andy wrote into it, which was a lot of heart and put that on the screen, you know, so at least for my inspiration, I don't Andy may have a completely different answer than me. I mean, yeah, in our in our initial conversations, Casey and I would just talk at length about um, you said John Carpenter. So the thing we talked about a ton yeah. and we talked about Alien and about how well equipped those people are in a supernatural crisis like the thing is a very scary movie but also it's like they've got flamethrowers like they've they've got sort of a leg up like they've got weapons and they're scientists and so we just would talk about how funny it is uh that this would be happening in a toy store right because me and my coworkers when i worked at the toy store we would be like we have no idea what to do there's <laughs> nothing to fight for survival with here there's no um there's no survival instinct and so that I always pulled from that and Casey coming in and saying like, oh, what if this was like a gremlins? What if this, then it, it was just, it was a match made in heaven, I think, because I think we get both of those things. I think we get that sort of, you know, classic sci-fi, almost like a thing type body horror movie, but also a very heartwarming movie. Well, and I think the heart is what keeps people coming back to the movie. You know what I mean? Like if you didn't love the character's, in Gremlins, I don't think Gremlins would be this like Christmas classic that still plays on television. It would have been this fun little Joe Dante movie that people vaguely remembered. But like, you care about the human element just as much as the supernatural element, and that's when you when you can find that perfect blend. That's when you've created something that people are going to want to visit time and time again because it's not even about the supernatural element. You know the the shock of gore, the shock of horror fades with more reviewing but when you love the characters it's almost like coming back home every time you put it on right like it's like i it's why we watch sitcoms right we watch sitcoms because we want to hang out with our friends quote unquote uh for a half hour and that yeah, people people i know at least i love watching home alone because buzz is such a dick yeah you know like <laughs> such a great character exactly well, it's funny you say that it's funny you say that casey because I, when we were writing this, like at, 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 you know, doing rewrites at first, it was like, okay, well, we got Jonathan. He's like sort of the, the human villain and same with Brian. And then Bruce came on board and we're like, okay, well, we're gonna, we really want to make Jonathan maybe a little more likable. And then up until shooting, I was like, but Brian is our, he's our buds. Brian's going to be the dick of this movie that no one likes. And then Steven comes on set and just makes Brian this lovable kind of sad character and so it's it's a movie full of i just think really lovable people which is not for a horror movie is kind of strange but yeah for sure lucky. it you you almost 
uh, for people who are a fan of this sitcom, it's almost like Superstore meets Gremlins. Like that's like the best way to, or I guess even the thing is a better comparison. But yeah, it's you do love all of these characters, and the best part about them is that they are actually layered characters. It's not just like the good guys wear the white hats, the the bad guys wear the black hats type methodology there's they're they're all human flawed characters to begin with and that's what makes them so likable um i can't wait to see what more you guys have in the tank after this but i expect that black friday is going to do amazing i think that this is going to be one of those films that everyone's talking about everyone's selling their friends to watch so if this movie does exceptionally well is there a chance for a black friday 2 in in the uh, future yeah i told andy we have to um the premise now is um the the alien who sent the first meteor is pissed off about what's happened to one of its babies so they send a bunch of uh like mind control robot things to earth and now we have to do cyber monday (laughs) (laughs) i love it would you even just make it be like three days after this movie left yeah exactly (laughs) exactly right right no i would love it i we we talked about this from the get-go and just there are so many countless stories to be told about retail holidays and and we just i think we're just skimming the surface with toy stores i mean there are so many people that have to work grueling nightmarish hours and uh not to you know this this past year even kind of showed us that even in absolute crisis we expect retail workers to just go to work and we'll applaud them or whatever but it's like you got to be on the front lines and so i just i think it's even with you uh matt and with with people that have reached out on twitter who are just like former or current retail workers who are like, there are, this is so fun to see. And there's so many stories to tell. I I would love to keep it going. Well, guys, I want to see cyber Monday. So y'all have to go and check this out. If it's playing in a theater near you on Friday, go and see it. And if it's not playing near you, just hold tight until that Monday and immediately rent it, bring all your friends over and have an absolute blast and then have your friends go and buy it. And then just make sure ever I'll buy like five copies of it. I don't care. Like, let's just get this thing going. So Cyber Monday can happen. Amazing. Dude, thank you. That that uh, so kind. <laughs> uh, where can people go to check out more information about Black Friday and both of you if they want to stay in the know about physical copy releases and stuff like that in the future? We have a Instagram uh, account, which is Andy, what Black Friday movie at Black Friday movie. Correct. And then Andy and I are both on Twitter. Um, mine is um, Casey Shoots, and Andy, yours is? Uh, it's at Andy underscore Griscoviak. I think I'm the only Andy Griscoviak on Twitter. <laughs> so I, you, Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Baby, come, baby, baby, come, 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 baby, come, baby, baby, come. <laughs>
We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Do you like to laugh? geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.